is everybody doing today? Everybody feeling good? Yeah? Maybe you were just talking to each other. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, man, it is good to be back. For those of you who don't know, I had the opportunity uh, to go to Nicaragua this past week. I was with um, Mayhem Missions and Get Strong Ministries, and, and man, we saw some amazing things happen in Nicaragua. I, I have a few stories that I'll share today, but, but I can't wait to share more about that. But today, today we're wrapping up our six-week multiplier series and all the OCD people in the room are just excited that the book's going to be filled out, right? Like you're just excited. You're just excited that you'll have all of the blanks filled in. And, and I want to kind of start with the end in mind. I, I want to tell you what, what God's looking for at the end of service. God's not looking for perfect people. God's going to be looking for available people. Where's my individuals that played sports growing up? Who, who played sports? Where, where's, my high school, where's my high school sports players? That's what I'm talking about. Like, do y'all remember, y'all remember Jersey Day? Y'all remember like game day, right? And you wore your, jer you wore your jerseys to school. And, and who, remember, like, who remembers the pep rallies? I, I feel like I was on the baseball team. We got shafted for pep rallies. Like, <laughs> the football team had the pep rallies. You know, Brian, did you like, you were like in front of your team at the pep rally. You were the loud, noisy one at the pep rallies. Zach, were you loud? At pep rallies, you were loud game day. Game day. Where, where were the people that were like loud, loud at the pep rallies? Justin, you were loud. I bet you were like running trying to like tackle teachers or something like ready to play football. But, but I, I remember, man, I remember jersey day. I, I remember wearing the, the jersey to the school. And, and growing up, if you played sports, it's something that you took pride in. Like wearing the jersey said, I'm on the team, not I'm on the sidelines. Wearing the jersey said, I'm ready to get after it. Now, if you were fortunate, if you were fortunate enough, and by fortunate, I mean if you were good enough, you got to pick your own number. You weren't just, you weren't just giving up. Luke, where are you? Are you in here? Luke, what was your number like growing up? 32. Did you keep it all the way through college? You, you weren't good enough for 15 in college. But, but, you, got, but you got 32. Any, anybody, y'all remember your first jersey number? My, my first jersey number was five, and I rocked five all the way through. But, but I remember some of the, my, my favorite players. What number did Chipper Jones wear? Like, right? Like, you just know that, right? Like, what number was Dale Earnhardt? Three. You, like, you just know that, right? Like, you always remember the great numbers. And again, the jersey said, I'm not in the stands, but I'm on the team. The jersey said, I'm not a consumer, but I'm a contributor. The, the jersey said, I'm a multiplier. Now, in the Old Testament, the way that it broke down was the man or woman of God kind of wore the jersey and everyone else just got to watch what was going on. Like, think of the prophets in the Old Testament. And everyone knew they were the, the men and the women of God, but, but the other individuals were kind of on the outside looking in. But in the New Testament, something switched, something changed, especially in the book of Acts. And what Jesus says is that everyone gets a jersey. You're not just a spectator, but you're a contributor in the kingdom of God when you give your life to Jesus. Remember all the way back to week one. And we talked about this, that we're not a church that operates as a cruise ship or a battleship. If you remember, cruise ships are just a, is just a church of consumers. That we'll just come in and we'll consume and we'll consume and we'll consume. Remember the dwarfs in the last battle. The dwarfs are for the dwarfs.
but we're also not a battleship. And, and, and what I mean by that is we don't just sit here at a church and, and point our guns in the direction of cultural, societal norms and fire away. What we actually act as is an aircraft carrier. I'm not called to spoon feed you on Sunday morning to make you feel good about yourself. The church on Sunday morning should be a place where you come in, you're refueled so that you can go out into culture and to society and to community and carry the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. Remember what J.D. Greer said. He said this, churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves as aircraft carriers. Members. Members. That's y'all. Yeah, <laughs> a boy. <laughs> Got one of them. That's y'all. Members, not just the church staff. Members need to learn to share the gospel in the community. I'm going to step on some toes a little bit this morning. I just got back from Nicaragua. I don't care. When's the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When's the last time you shared your faith with someone? Members need to learn to share the gospel in the community without the help of their pastor. And start ministries, and Bible studies, and even churches and places without them. Churches must become discipleship factories, sending agencies that equip their members to take the battle to the enemy. That's been the purpose of this entire series, to equip you to take the battle to the entire, or to the enemy. Remember what we talked about, you have the APES gifting in you, Ephesians chapter 4 there's apostolic giftings in the room. There, there's entrepreneurs and innovators. We have the prophetic in the room. There's seers and reformers. Evangelists are in the room. The storytellers and the gatherers. There's shepherds in the room. The caretakers and the healers. There's teachers in this room. There's leaders and there's guides. They're all working together. Th think back to ancient fishing villages. Now, when I wrote this illustration in, I thought about playing Moana, like, like right, when, right when I mentioned that, but I felt like everybody under the age of five would run in here and hijack the service, and we would just end up watching Moana the rest of the time. But, but, but think about it. Ancient fishing villages, when, when individuals were fishing, it wasn't a competition, it was a support network. They helped each other repair boats. They shared information about the weather and the tide charts and the currents. What was working, what wasn't working, what bait was catching fish, what wasn't. Because there were always plenty of fish to catch. Some of you will get that analogy in about four minutes. But you know what this model actually does. See, this model actually forces less dependence on ministry from the platform and more ministry by the people. What it does is it flips the script a little bit. So let me set the expectation for the end of the service. I'm excited for today because we're having open tryouts in a sense to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be a part of God's team. When you came in, you had the boxes in your chair. Man, we've been, the Xboxes, we've been pushing those for the past six weeks. But there are materials in there that will guide you through every single week that you've experienced over the past month and a half. At the end of service, there's going to be a QR code that's going to be put on the screen. You're going to pull your phones out, and you're going to scan it. And if you're willing to say, Pastor Zach, like, I'm in. I I'm in for the kingdom of God. We're just going to ask you to fill that out. Let me get going here. Page 17 in our 
booklets before I preach a whole different sermon. Page, number, page 17, we live in an age of infinite browsing. I, I'm sure this has happened to everyone in the room. Where's my Netflix people? Like, I know that it's happened to you. My wife and I will be dinner time. We'll be like 5.30, 6, 6.30. And we'll, hey, let's watch a movie tonight. By the time we get the girls to bed, we sit down. And, and what happens? You start flipping through Netflix. And you watch one preview and you're like, ah, uh, maybe not that one. You watch the next preview and you're like, ah, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe that one's like top three. Let's see if we can find, let's see if we can find something else. And then inevitably what happens is 30, 45 minutes goes by. You've watched 17 trailers and no movie. And then you're like, forget it. I don't even want, I don't, I don't want to watch a movie tonight. Like it's the age of infinite browsing. And I think this is a picture of our culture. That in the name of keeping our options open, we never make a decision. You're unable to commit to anything and you become stuck in this infinite browsing mode. You're, you're never really able to fully commit to a job because I just got to keep my options open. I, I don't want to start that business because if I start that business, then, then I can't keep my options open. No, no, I don't want to commit to that relationship because if I commit to that person, then I can't keep my options open. Oh, I can't, I can't commit to just one church because if I commit to just one church, then, then my options aren't open and there might be another church that opens up that I want to be a part of. We live in this infinite browsing society. Jordan B. Peterson, if you've never listened to his podcast Man, I, I would suggest listening to it. But Jordan B. Peterson said this. He said, the reason people are leaving the church is because the church has made it too easy. You're not calling people to the sacrifice, surrender, and commitment that Jesus called people to. That one, that one hits heavy. Not really calling people to the surrender that Jesus talked about. This past week, I told you I was in Nicaragua. It's funny what happens when you just expect God to move. There's an individual, uh, to kind of set the stage a little bit, the, the ministry that we worked with called Get Strong Ministries, they actually planted a, a CrossFit gym. Scott and Christy planted a CrossFit gym in, in Nicaragua. And, and man, there's, it's just like a CrossFit gym here. You go in, you get after it, and there's chalk everywhere. Like, right? like we, just, we just have a good time. But there's an individual that Scott has been praying for for the past three years. His name's Marvin, M-A-R-B-I-N, Marvin. He came to our, our men's event, and uh, man, I had the opportunity to speak there, and I watched Marvin give his life to Jesus with tears in his eyes. You know, there, there's, times, there's times that people get saved, and you're like, I think they got saved like four days ago, and now they're getting saved again. And there's other people that get saved, and you can just see it in their eyes. Like, you know, you know their life has changed. After that kind of service or whatnot, we sat down with Marvin, and and through this language barrier of translating back and forth, he's like, all right, what's next? Well, I mean, my Bible says that you get baptized, so, man, let's, we can, we can do it tomorrow. He goes, why wait till, he literally, why wait till tomorrow? Let's do it tonight. We were like, um, all right, y'all got some water? Like, let's go, <laughs> like, let's go find some. So we, we baptize him, and he comes out of the water. He goes, okay, now what? Well, I guess we can pray again. <laughs> like, like you, he goes, okay, let's pray, but can you come to my house and pray? I want my wife to see it. I want, I want my wife to be a part of it. And he was radically changed. He was saved. He was baptized. We prayed over him. 
and his wife, something radical happened. I want to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 1. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ahiah and the son of, y'all try to say that name, Ahitab. Had to practice that one 15 times. Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison. There was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other side. Dude was in the middle of a cave. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for us. For nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. Verse 7. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. This morning I want to preach a heart and soul message. That there's a ton going on in this story. You have Jonathan and his armor bearer and they kind of pick a fight. And, and you have Saul who's supposed to be a, the leader with, with 600 mighty men. But they're, they're hiding in a cave. And, and you have people that in the end of the story they came back because they, they left uh, Saul originally. And now they're fighting for Saul. So I want to dive in a bit to this story. I ask you a question. How do you start a movement? How do you start a movement? Page 18 in our books. Listen, I don't know about you, but, but in these, the last days, I'm not like a, I'm not one of these guys that says, hey, Jesus is coming back like, you know, next year, April 14th. Like, I'm not one of those guys. But I do know that we're closer today than we were last week. <laughs> I do know that we're going to be closer tomorrow than we were last year. And I want to be part of the last day movement of multiplying God's kingdom. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to be a spectator. Picking up on page number 18, number one, never underestimate the power of your influence. There was one armor bearer. And movements happen when the church takes ownership of being the church. It's ministry to the people, for the people, by the people. See, each of us have a pest in us, that Ephesians 4 gifting, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. I want to take a deeper look. Look at Saul. See, Saul had a title. Saul had a title, but he never steps into his, his title. He's the leader of 600 mighty warriors, but they're hiding in a cave. Verse 2, Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The dude was hiding out. Saul got close enough to watch the activity of the enemy, but not close enough to step into the battle. How many of you are living your life close enough to see the move of God, but not actually getting into the, the, the battle? You weren't born to complain about your circumstances. You were born to change those circumstances. I wasn't going to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Don't ever blame your lack of progress or growth on somebody else. I think we have a tendency to just blame others. We, we have a tendency to say, well, I was, born, I was born into a situation that I can't get out of. 
I was born in a family that, that, that wasn't held together properly. I didn't have a dad in my life. I didn't have a mom in my life. I didn't have the opportunity to go to school. I didn't have the opportunity, and you can fill in your own blank, and we start to blame everyone else why we haven't been successful in our life. And then you have Ahia. Ahia was the religious spirit, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing the ephod. See, Ahia had the pedigree. He went to the right school, he knew the right people, his dad did it, his brother did it, his grandfather did it, and his great-grandfather was one of the best to ever do it. But if we focus too much on the pedigree, then we end up caring, caring more about protecting the status quo than advancing the kingdom of God. See, Ahia was just the guardian of the status quo. This is the way we used to do it. This is the way that we've always done it. But this person can't get on board because they're more interested in preserving their role than advancing the kingdom of God. Do you catch what's really going on through the story? You have Saul, the leader, 600 mighty men, the guy with the pedigree, but they're all hiding in the cave. They were all on the sidelines. And then you have Jonathan. And Jonathan kind of sneaks away. Jonathan had faith and courage to act. What I've learned about this story is you don't need a title, a paycheck, or a position to lead. Leaders aren't the people with the position and the title. Leaders are the people with faith and courage. What I know that is in our society, there will always be Saul's, there will always be Ahia's, and there will always be Jonathan's. The question is, which one will you be? See, what we have the tendency to do, we like to be the hero in the story. We, we want to all say, hey, I want to be Jonathan. But are you truly acting with faith and courage in your daily life? Are you truly acting with faith and courage in society? Number two, never underestimate the power of a perhaps. This is slowly becoming one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, verse 6, Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will work for, for us. Perhaps. Jonathan, the, the man of action, the man of faith and courage, and he leads with perhaps? Like perhaps God will show up. It blows my mind, but many of us are paralyzed by indecision. You, you will rarely, you will rarely, if you've ever started a business, if you've ever been a part of any type of, 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 of financial venture, you will rarely be 100% sure, and we actually live in the myth of, I'll do it when I'm ready. We, we live in this mindset of, I'll do it when I'm more advanced. I'll do it when I have more education. I'll do it when I have more financial backing. I'll do it when I have a, a larger team. I'll do it when I feel like I'm ready. Can I challenge you? Just do it scared because you'll never be ready. Perhaps, perhaps God will show up. Do it scared. Do it unsure. If you have everything figured out. Before you do it, you're not trusting God. You're actually trusting in your ability more. Number three, never underestimate the power of one person who is in heart and soul. Verse seven, and his armor bearer said, do all that is in your heart. 
behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Picking up in verse 8, then Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands, and this shall be the sign to us. What I love about Jonathan in this part of the story, he says, listen, we're going to stand here, and they're coming to us, or we're going to them. Regardless, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Have you gotten to that point in your life yet where enough is enough? Or are you hiding out in a cave? Or are you worried about your pedigree? Are you worried about your title and your position? Or are you like Jonathan saying, enough is enough? What I know is, is we need heart and soul people, not just in this church, but in America. And this is what heart and soul people do. Heart and soul people speak affirmation, they climb the cliff, and they strike the first blow. If I pick up with the rest of that story, I'll paraphrase it a bit. Jonathan and his armor bearer go up to this cliff, and they fight the Philistines, and they strike down 20 Philistines. And then Saul's like, what in the world is going on? Who's missing? Who's fighting the Philistines? And they do a quick count, and, and Saul realizes that Jonathan and his armor bearer are gone, and they realize that the Philistines are on the run. So Saul says, you know what? If they're on the run, well, well let's fight now. So the 600 mighty warriors begin to fight the Philistines, and then all of a sudden you have this army that Saul is leading, overthrowing the giants. But it was Jonathan and the armor bearer that started it. Go back to the beginning of the story. What was the armor bearer's name? It's a trick question. It doesn't matter. This is what I learned. You can change the world if you don't care who gets the credit. Too often we want to put our title on it. Too often we want to put our name on it. Too, too often we want to get the recognition, but, but what I've noticed is that when you're focused on who gets the credit, you actually become Saul and Ahia. Your focus is on your title and your focus is on your pedigree. But all it takes is for one person to be in heart and soul. Then multiplication really happens. There's three people who will begin to rally if the worship team would go ahead and come back up. The first group is the people who weren't sure. Verse 20, then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. There's no doubt in my mind that fear is contagious. But you know what's contagious even more? Courage is contagious. Fear is contagious, but courage is contagious all the more. And your courage is going to inspire courage in others if you'll actually stand up for what the Bible says talks about number two the people who had left will return verse 21 now the hebrews who had been with the philistines before that time who had gone up with them into the camp even they also turned to be with the israelites who were with saul and jonathan 
So, so what's going on here? You have Hebrews who used to be on Saul's side who are living with the Philistines. They actually turn, come back, and start fighting with Saul. What I know is that there's people over the past two years during this COVID stuff that we're going through who have had relationships in the church, outside of the church. Man, they've just been burned, and they've actually started living on the wrong side. But when you begin to step into into the fight, your faith will ignite them to turn back around. The third group that will return, number three, the people who were hiding in their comfort zone. Verse 22, likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed after them in battle. They followed after them in battle. It's Jersey Day. Team Day. Coach, we talked about this. We talked about us on Friday Night Lights. I love Coach Taylor. I love Mrs. Coach Taylor. Like, but but I, I loved Friday Night Lights. Who, who's seen Friday Night Lights? All right, if you haven't, shut your ears because I'll ruin it for you. But, but in Friday Night Lights, man, Coach Taylor, he, he's always pushing his players to be better. But at the end of season three, something happens. There's like a, the, the district is split. And they get rid of Coach Taylor at, at Dillon, but they say, hey, we're going to kind of throw you a bone. We're going to let you coach at, at East Dillon. But East Dillon had never had a, a football. They had a football team like 30 years prior. But it was a bunch of, a bunch of nobodies. It was a bunch of guys that were getting locked up. It was a bunch of guys who had, had never played football before. In their first game, Coach Taylor actually forfeits the game. That's how bad it was. But, but there's this moment that kind of shifts the tide. There's this moment that you feel, you feel the team kind of shift. Coach Taylor brings everybody out to the field. He's got the old jerseys laid out. There's one of those big drums, fire going. He takes the jersey and he throws it in the fire. One by one, the players pick up the jersey throw it in the fire because that was the old representation of who they were and that started the shift like some of you in the room you've tried to throw away your old life you, you've tried to get rid of that old group of friends you, you've tried to get rid of those old habits you've tried to throw them down but you've never you've never put anything else back on See, what really, what really shifted the team wasn't when they got rid of the old jerseys. What really shifted the team is when they got the new jerseys. Coach, you remember, you remember getting like a new jersey? Like a clean jersey? Luke, you remember getting like the brand new ones? They were just fresh. And they were clean. And when you put on the new jersey, you felt like you were a part of something greater. You, you felt like you were a part of something bigger. See, some of you have gotten rid of the old, but you've never put on the new. Guys, go ahead and put that um, QR code up. Why are, we, why are we putting this up? Go ahead and scan the QR code. Go ahead and pull out your phone. Make it awkward real quick. Take your phones out. Ready, set, go. QR code. Boom. Scan it. I feel like y'all are all taking a picture of me. 
this is what we're saying today. We're saying be the armor bearer. Be in heart and soul. Not, Not to just multiply church, but to the kingdom of God. Be in heart and soul. Put on the new jersey. Stand for something. Stop being a soft Christian in society. Stop worrying about what society says. Stop stop worrying about what culture says. Stop worrying about getting canceled. Stop worrying about getting shut down and stand for something in your life for once. What better thing to stand for than the kingdom of God? Jonathan and one armor bearer. One armor bearer said, I'm in heart and soul. As we step back into worship, here's my only question to you. Who's in heart and soul? Who's in heart and soul? Listen, I'm going to fight the Philistines. I'm going to climb the mountain. I'm going to stand up to society. I'm going to stand up to culture. I I don't care what type of area we live in. I don't care what, what local government might say. What, what I'm going to follow is the word of God. And perhaps, perhaps God will show up. Per, perhaps God will show up. So all across this room, and I'm not going to coach you. I'm not going to encourage you. It's between you and God. Perhaps, perhaps he'll show up.